The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is our number three of the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Greg Peterson taking over tonight as we've got Scott Seidenberg on a much deserved vacation. So glad to be holding it down for you guys tonight. And a big thanks to Stephanie Audi. Does a great job over there at the Big Ten Network. She does. Sideline reporting when it comes to the Big Ten football season. She joined me. We were able to take a look at one of the best conferences out there in the Big Ten. It is one in which my sister wound up going to school at Wisconsin. I wound up going to AD3 University because I did not have the grades to get into Wisconsin. But that said, always a conference that is near and dear to my heart. And Stephanie did a great job taking a look at just so many different teams. And she thinks that they're going to fare for this upcoming season. So big thanks to her for joining me in the last segment. And coming up in about 15 minutes, we talked a little college football last hour. So we had to talk a little NFL this hour. Ryan Kramer does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is going to be joining me. And we're in the first segment, we're going to be taking a look at some baseball for this Wednesday as we got a relatively good pitching matchup out here on the West Coast. So let's dive into it in 955-956 on the board. The Arizona Diamondbacks are going to be playing us to the San Francisco Giants with Logan Webb going for the Giants and Zach Allen going on the bump for Arizona. Seeing quite a bit of a dip in this number as well. The Giants opened up a minus 130 favorite. Now you're getting them between minus 115 and minus 117. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, saying between minus 105 and plus 107 that you're going to be able to get on them with a total between 7.5 and 8. This opened up at 8. We've seen a couple books move to a 7.5 with the juice on the over. If you're seeing an 8, the juice is going to be on the under with those. But this is a circumstance where I wound up setting the Giants around a minus 124 favorite when the number wound up coming out. It was pretty much on my number. I didn't have a play before, but with the line move, that now puts me on the San Francisco Giants because Logan Webb has been able to do a good job of being able to balance out his home and road splits. That were very demonstrative from last season. Last season, he had a sub-2 ERA at home, north of a 4 ERA on the road. This year, it's more like a 275-280-ish ERA at home. Road ERA hovering more in the neighborhood, about a 3-5. And for Logan Webb, he's been able to do a very nice job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up a little bit over half a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about 2.2, 2.3. So he's been able to do a very nice job with that respect. And for Zach Allen... It felt like he was going into a little bit of a funk towards the back half of the, for lack of a better term, first half of the of the season prior to the All-Star break. And then he winds up coming out first start post-All-Star break, winds up putting up seven scoreless settings against the Washington Nationals. Now, 
It was against the Washington Nationals, but we're also seeing the Nationals taking down the LA Dodgers in their current series. So there, you're able to look at that one of two ways, but I felt like that was very important for him. And for Zach Allen, he's been able to do a solid job this year of being able to cut down on the walks. This was right around a 3.8 walks per nine rate that he wound up putting up last season this year. That has fallen more around a 2.3 to a 2.4, so he's been able to do a nice job being able to hold down the fort. Strikeouts are a little bit down from his first few seasons. He was always a guy that would get right around 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. This year it's down to 8.6, but the improved command has allowed him to have really his best season thus far. He's been able to post up a 5-2 record with a 3.31 ERA, and he's backed up by a few guys that are able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen. You've been able to get some good innings out of someone like Sean Pop, and he's been a little bit banged up, though, but still have Kyle Nelson, Joe Manette, Tipley, who will be able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort for this team. Sub-3 ERAs out of both of those guys, and then with the San Francisco Giants, the big bugaboo of this team, and the reason why they haven't been able to replicate what they wanted doing last season when they wound up winning the West Division is that they just don't have the bullpen pitching that they did a season ago. With the Giants, they were the only team in the big leagues last season that had a sub-3 bullpen ERA. This year, they're ranking right around 23rd in terms of bullpen ERA. That's right around about a 425. So it's been a big fall off now. They did wind up DFAing the big albatross out there in that bullpen in Jake McGee. He was not very good whatsoever. He latched on with the Milwaukee Brewers, so absolutely wish him well. But it's not a good season for him. But for the Giants, you do have a couple guys like John Brebbia, Jarlon Garcia, Camilio Duvall. These guys have been able to post up a 3-5 ERA, but we have seen Sammy Long start to regress. He's actually been better as sort of an opener starter in their bullpen games where he's been able to get right around two to three innings and has been able to do a relatively solid job in that respect. But no doubt it's been a slog for the San Francisco Giants team. And I'm just still a little bit befuddled as to how the Giants have been able to crank out so many runs this far this season because with the San Francisco Giants, this is a team that they do rank in the top 10 in terms of home runs per game. They're getting right around 1.2 per contest, and that's been fairly consistent home to road despite the fact that they do play in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. But this is a Giants bunch. At, they're fifth in the league in terms of runs per game, and they don't necessarily belt out a ton of long bombs. They don't necessarily do a great job of being able to get on base. It feels like it's been a little bit built on sand. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, this has been the best team in terms of home unders in the National League thus far this season. And a big reason why is because they've actually been worse in terms of their offense when they have been at home rather than on the road. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're averaging right around 1.43 home runs per game when they're at home. This is down to about 0.9 when they are on the road. Now, with the Diamondbacks, you do have a couple guys starting to step it up in terms of batting average for this team. you got Keitel Marte, Josh Ross hitting right around at 270, and then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, both of these guys in that pocket about a 255 to a 265, but got still a lot of guys like Geraldo Perdomo, Sergio Contra, Christian Walker hitting a 220 or lower for the team. Carson Kelly's not necessarily been too terrific, though I will say this about Walker. 22 home runs thus far this season as well, so you've got your highs and your lows with that, and for Zach Allen, I do think that he's going to be able to come out, give a relatively solid start, and I personally would rather have an 8 under rather than a 7.5 over because with the 8, you do wind up getting that little bit of added protection where if the game winds blinding, say, 5-3, to three, you do wind up being able to get a push out of it. So I would rather have the under rather than the over at a 7.5. It just becomes a little bit of a point of no return for me on that under. But that said, at an 8, I do like this little under. And with the Giants, because Logan Webb has been able to do a very solid job for the team, and the team has been able to find a way to be able to generate a little bit of offense despite the fact that they haven't necessarily had the measures that they wound up having last season. 
it is a case which I'm willing to lay up to a minus 124 with them. We wind up talking about this game with Anthony DeBundo in our number two. Does a great job over there at the Action Network. This is 957, 958 on the board. You've got the Miami Marlins. They're going to be playing against the Cincinnati Reds. In the words of our good friend Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Luis Castillo getting the start for them, and Braxton Garrett is going to be going for Miami. Miami is finding themselves an underdog of anywhere between plus 135 to a plus 140, and with the Cincinnati Reds, you're going to be getting them anywhere between a minus 145 to a minus 155, and 8 is your total. On the open, this is one in which I like the Miami Marlins a little bit more because we've seen a little bit of money come in on the Cincinnati Reds. You are finding on a lot of opening numbers, the Miami Marlins being at minimum a plus 140, you are finding them north of a plus 140 in a few spots as well. And I need at least a plus 140 to be able to take a shot. So at current numbers, it's pretty much a play on Miami, but if it gets any lower, then it starts to become a case in which the value winds up drying up a little bit. But Braxton Garrett, as Anthony DeBundo wound up laying out in our number two, he's been able to do a very solid job with this Miami Marlins team. And you wind up having Garrett wind up getting a couple cups of coffee at the big league level during the 2020 and 2021 seasons. And a big reason why he wound up flopping those two seasons was that his walk rate was very high. He was giving up north of four walks per nine innings, really couldn't control his stuff. He's been able to control himself much better this season, and as a result, he's been able to take off, and he's been able to have himself a very nice season. He, in the last few starts, has really been able to sign the opponents out. A couple of those want to come against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Pirates aren't necessarily looking too stellar right now, but for Garrett, his walks per nine rate that was 5.3 last season, that is down to a 2.1 this season. He's giving up one home run per nine innings, still getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's developed into a relatively solid, steady Eddie guy with a 3.40 ERA. Meanwhile, for Luis Castillo, he's been a top-ten pitcher in the big leagues, really, over the last, we're going to call it 45 or so days, wanted starting out the year on the injured list. You can tell that he was not right when he wound up coming off of the injured list initially, but I mean, for Luis Castillo, this guy has been absolutely lights out over the last month or so, and a guy that has always been a little bit better at home rather than on the road, and we've seen a little bit of a flipper-rooney in terms of those splits thus far this season, as for Luis Castillo, he's been posting up right around about a 3.8 ERA at home, a little bit north of a 2 ERA on the road, but I do feel like the tide is starting to turn for him. Like I said, he was someone that it just felt like he needed a couple starts to be able to work out some of the kinks, and ever since we're going to call it the beginning of the month of July, this guy's been doing an absolutely terrific job over his last four starts. Three earned runs allowed. He has been only taken deep once in that time span as well. Walks have always been a little bit of a difficult time for Luis Castillo. He's given up right around three walks per nine innings, but he's been able to do a nice job. He'll be able to lend a little bit more length in these recent starts as well, and that's big because the Cincinnati Reds, they have by far the worst bullpen area out there in the big leagues. As a matter of fact, they are the only team out there in the big leagues with north of a 4.65 ERA, and that's clocking in at a 5.20. And somehow, some way, the bullpen has a record of 17 and 13. That goes to show you that they typically come in when they are trailing and are not going to take the loss anyway, but not been a great year for them. Really, other than Alexis Diaz, you don't have too many guys with south of a 4 ERA. Guys like Joe Kunal, whenever he's been out there, Luis Sessa, because he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Hunter Strickland, you're able to go down the list. It's not necessarily been too terrific for them. And then for the Miami Marlins, Bullpen has been able to shape up a little bit more. They're right now 17th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, 401 in that respect. But for the Miami Marlins, Jazz Shislam or Ace Solaire have both been dealing with injuries in recent weeks. 
Braxton Garrett, or Garrett Cooper, I should say. He's been someone that's been hitting right around 285 as an all-star for the team. He's been banged up and missing the last few days as well, so it's really a skeleton crew when it comes to this lineup. And with the Cincinnati Reds, they've got some of the more demonstrative home and road splits that you're able to find in Major League Baseball in terms of the lineup as they're averaging right around 5.1 runs per game at home, more like 3.5 on the road. They've been able to have Brandon Drury be able to bust out 19 home runs. He's sitting right around 275. But guys like Jonathan, Indian Company, have been able to do a good job of being able to move the line. I do think that the Reds should be a favorite in this spot, but I was only willing to lay up to a minus 140 with them. Seeing a plus 140 or greater with the Marlins, that'll put me on them. And I do think that both of these offenses are going to erupt in a ballpark that, other than Coors Field, has been the most hitter-friendly all season long. And I do see a little bit of regression. And I see both of these teams being able to get into these bad bullpens. So looking over and looking at the Marlins at a plus 140 or greater. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at one of the games that we all know and love. We all love the NFL, and we're going to be talking about that with Ryan Kramer next, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. We are back here on the look at on VSN, the sports betting network, and it is great to be joined by Ryan Kramer. He does an amazing job taking a look at the game that we all know and love of football for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Ryan, we've had you on the show quite a few times. It is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And like we were saying before we got on the air, it, it, we can only get to real football. Enough with the sand working out videos. Enough with the best shape of my life. Let's let's watch some actual games. Yes, sir. And behind you, you've got a bunch of jerseys of the New York football giants. But how about if we wind up taking a look at the other team out there in the great state of New York? That'd be the Jets. Well, there are some people that are going to push back on that because Oh, they typically wind up playing out there in the state of New Jersey instead, but they're known as the state of New York. But with that said, what's your overall outlook on this Jets team? Because I felt like they did have a good draft. They did a solid job being able to pick up some pieces in the offseason. This is certainly not a team that I'd be taking a look at in terms of Super Bowl futures or anything like that. But you know what? For the first time in quite a while, it feels like the arrow is starting to trend upward a little bit on this team. So give me your take on them. You know what? I'll be a negative Nancy here because I, I absolutely think I, I don't understand the hype. I don't understand people running to bet the futures. I believe they were one of the bigger liabilities in some of the futures markets. The win total ticked up. And in quite frankly, what do we love to do? You mentioned it. They won the draft teams that win the draft. It's great for the franchise long term. I'm not sure if it's great short term. 
And, and when I really started digging in, uh, we're pre previewing all 32 teams over the Sports Gambling Podcast. It really stood out to me that we're taking a giant leap of faith that Robert Sala is a good coach. The Jets hired a defensive-minded coach in a time where we know you want to have an offensive-minded head coach. We looked past it because we think Robert Sala is a nice guy. Uh, the defense has not really been taking those steps forward. They have some nice pieces, but even Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, these guys, unlikely to step forward and be absolute studs year one. And then you flip over to the offense and you look at a quarterback like Zach Wilson. When is the last time we fixed the quarterback with a bunch of new toys? So I would be very wary to sit here and look at the Jets as a team that I'm locking in as an over. I love looking at this under at five and a half. I love looking at alt unders to the win total. And I even like going deeper and maybe, you know, playing some sort of future that they maybe are the first pick in the draft or one of the teams with the fewest wins in the NFL this year. I, I think the bottom is so low for this Jets team. People are just blinded by the fact that they got a lot of good rookie snaps last year. And the head coach is a guy that everyone wants to root for. I think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at them because I still think that they're going to be one of the lesser teams out there in the AFC. I do agree with you there. I think that they're better than last year, but I mean, last year, there wasn't much to go other than up from there. And they actually have a little bit of a running game, which you couldn't say that about them last season. But the team that I think might wind up ultimately be the worst team out there in the AFC that's the Houston Texans, and I know there's a lot of people that they like Davis Mills, what he was able to show in season number one. What are your overall thoughts on this Texans team? Because even if Mills is able to have a relatively solid season number two, I just don't know if there's enough weapons for the Houston Texans to wind up avoiding the seller of both their division and perhaps the conference as a whole. You know, I absolutely think that their division has enough variance for me to take a peek at that absolutely astronomical 30-1 to division price. Uh, because you mentioned it, Davis Mills wasn't horrible. He was the second graded rookie quarterback last year, uh, only behind Mac Jones. He was the fifth overall deep ball passer in the NFL. Pep Hamilton chose to stay offensive coordinator in Houston to continue to work with Davis Mills, a guy that he actually helped recruit for David Shaw at Stanford. So this is a guy, long ties to the man, wants to see him successful. And oh, by the way, you don't hire Lovey Smith and run it back with David Culley's barbecue crew if you're trying to get the first pick. This is a team that's going to show up and play, show up with effort. They still have professional wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, a guy who quietly had a nice rookie year, looking to take a step forward. I, I feel like I'm zigging when the world is zagging. Already got down on over the four wins. Over four and a half wins, just fine for me. And when I, it really tickled me as a, a deep, deep nerd at heart when the Football Outsiders came out with a 7.9 mean wins on this team this year. I certainly think they're poised to surprise. And in a division with a lot of question marks everywhere, I don't know if any NFL team in modern day at 2022 should be a 30 to 1 dog to win their division. Yep. And to your point on that as well, the four and a half seems a little bit disrespectful on their season win total. The only team really that I could see going below five on, that's my pick to win the fewest games out there in the NFL this season. That's the Atlanta Falcons. They were really the only team last year that they were really, really bad. And it feels like they got markably worse because they at the very least had Matt Ryan last year. Now you've got either Marcus Mariota or at the end of the year, it might be Desmond Ritter. I don't know what's happening there. Their best wide receiver wound up getting caught doing parlays, and he's out for the season, so that's not too terrific either. I'm not sure what your thoughts are for the Atlanta Falcons, but that's the team that I'm looking at in terms of alt wins under and perhaps having the fewest wins out there in the league. 
I, I, I absolutely, uh, hard to argue with a case for why the Falcons will be bad. Arthur Smith was a, a maximum efficiency guy in Tennessee. Didn't seem to have that there in Atlanta. I'll say this. He went out and chose Marcus Mariota, a guy he worked with before. And really, Marcus Mariota's doom was partially injury-related, shoulder-related, something we're talking about and kind of giving Baker a pass maybe this offseason on. So could I see a one last hurrah, Arthur Smith, Marcus Mario rolling out a little RPO, uh, big targets, Drake London, uh, Kyle Pitts? Sure, they could be a fun team. And I'm certainly a a dumpster diver. I'm going to be rooting for the Atlanta Falcons this year. But I think I'm less bullish than, say, the Houston Texans because of the optimism I have with a guy like Davis Mills, some of the tools they have around them. Where in Atlanta, I think there is still a real story where the team maybe lacks a little effort on the defensive side of the ball, maybe isn't able to show up. And, and at the end of the day, if you're going to play no defense and roll out Marcus Mariota, we, we might have a problem. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be going too well for them. And that's out there in a NFC South that I think is intriguing because, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're the odds-on favorite to be able to win that division, and rightfully so. But I think the team that many people are picking to perhaps have a decent season in the New Orleans Saints, they're going a little bit under the radar as well. I've been seeing their season win total in a lot of places at 8, and I recognize that losing Sean Payton as a coach, that is rather difficult, but... The Saints were hit by almost as many injuries as any team out there in the NFC. Obviously, you can make a case that the Baltimore Ravens wound up having more, and I don't think that you'd be wrong with that. But other than the Ravens, the Saints had the worst luck with that regard. Jameis Winston was finally starting to look competent as a quarterback and wasn't throwing 30 interceptions. Michael Thomas is a little bit of a question mark, but even getting back a 75% Michael Thomas, I think, would be solid. Not sure what your thoughts are on the Saints, but I could see this being a playoff team and going over their win total. It definitely seems like this is a division where the race for the two spot seems pretty wide open. Julio just landing in Tampa, super team reassemble. It seems hard or even like like you're just trying to create a hot take to have someone else win the division. But the two spot is up for grab. We've seen a a division, uh, the South uh, produce two playoff teams in the past. And I think honestly, for me, uh, not not a team I've, I've gone too deep into the various props, but I, I think if, uh, if if this team does well, I can't see Dennis Allen winning something like Coach of the Year, but I could see Jameis Winston uh, either winning Comeback Player of the Year or more importantly, if you're really swinging for the fences here, if, this, if they have a great regular season and Jameis Winston goes off like we've seen him do statistically, why can't he be in the MVP conversation? Why can't he be a realistic contender down there at 80 to 1? So... I, I don't know if I'm going to be super bullish on the Saints overall, but I do like their ceiling case. And in the ceiling case, I think Jameis Winston is a big part of that because we expect Alvin Kamara to be out for four games, I, it seems like is a conservative guess. So, yeah, I, I think that if the structure of Sean Payton is able to stay in place with him gone, absolutely, this is a team further down the, the odds boards and a lot of the fun futures elements that, might be a fun way to, to, to take a stab. So yeah, Jameis Winston, 80-1. to 1, That's a fun way to play the Saints to me. Yep, I do think that there's a relatively high ceiling with the New Orleans Saints, and there's always something that I wind up doing in just about any sport that I take a look at, and it's the category of the more I look at them, the more I like them sort of teams. Is there one or two that really fit that mold where the more you wind up diving into them, the more you just feel a little bit more bullish on them coming into the season? I mean, honestly, like we, we already discussed one of them and it was the Houston Texans co- comically. Uh, but if, if I was going to say another one, I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I know people are very down on them 
Warren Sharp pointed out they've invested the most money in the NFL in their defense while investing the least in their offense. I don't expect this to be a team that is going to run away with the conference or anything, but do I think this is a team that's going to be scrappy? Uh, Mike Tomlin never finished under 500, a team that's going to be scrappy in divisional games especially. When I see the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting at 10-1 to to win their division, even though I'm extremely bullish on the Baltimore Ravens, I look at that and I just think, Wow, what a disrespect for Mike Tomlin, who, by the way, great value, still going off north of 20-1 to 1 in the coach of the year market. Yep, and to your point with that as well, in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had Ben Roethlisberger the last few years. We can both agree that wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. That was the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger, just merely with Ben Roethlisberger on the back of the jersey. That was not him, but this is Ryan Kramer, and you do a great job of being able to break down the game of football. Always great to have you aboard. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Greg. Ryan Kramer does an amazing job being able to break down the NFL. It's great to be able to take a look at some longer shot teams that are going to be intriguing for this upcoming season. And we've got some intriguing baseball games for Wednesday to take a look at. So let's dive in next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join in on the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Play in 20 free-to-play pools all season long for your shot and earn $1,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken beer made better. 21 years or older. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, please do drink responsibly. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Always a pleasure to get Ryan Kramer on the show. Does a great job breaking down the NFL and did a nice job being able to take a look at some of the teams that they might not be getting as much love right now. We all love taking a look at teams that might wind up winning the Super Bowl. What team might wind up being the top dog out there in the division? Teams like the Texans and the Jets. They're sort of like... The there's sort of like the I guess you'd call it toy that winds up not getting used as much towards the end of the shelf. So nice to be able to give them a little bit of love. Always a lot of fun to have Ryan Kramer aboard. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now let's take a look at what we're going to be getting in terms of Major League Baseball on this Wednesday. As we got a relatively solid slate here, we took a look at some National League games to begin our number three. So let's take a look at the American League. And let's talk about a game that we haven't really hit on this show yet. This is going to be 967-968 on the bang board. Cleveland Guardians on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox as Nathan Eovaldi. He goes for the Sox and Cal Quantrill is on the bump for the Guardians. Guardians are between a plus 110 to a plus 118 underdog. And with the Boston Red Sox saying between minus 126 and minus 130 with a total of 9. And I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3. I do think that the injuries of the Red Sox winds up hurting their offense quite a bit. Now, we have seen them be able to have a couple of bursts with regards to the offense, and they did wind up getting back J.D. Martinez on Tuesday. So that's big because he's been able to hit about a 300 for the team. And we've seen a couple unlikely sources of just guys that are able to move the line for this Red Sox team. Rob Rebsnyder has nearly a 400 on base. He's been able to have Christian Vasquez in for about a 275 for the team. And Xander Bogarts has been solid as well. But 
with the Boston Red Sox, the big thing is you really don't have anyone in this lineup right now that's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, and the bottom of the fold has been really bad. Jackie Bradley Jr., Bobby Dahlbeck, Yomer Sanchez, Kevin Ploiecki, all these guys are hitting a 220 or lower, and for the Cleveland Guardians, this is one of the worst teams at being a late home runs in the league. They're currently in the bottom seven with this regard, but I will name off all these guys, and they've got one thing in common. Andres Jimenez, Steven Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Josh Naylor, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez. They're all hitting at least a 280 for this bunch. And you're even able to throw in there Nolan Jones, who's been able to hit right around a 270 with a 377 on base. He was a man that was able to go deep yesterday for the Cleveland Guardians. So that winds up being able to help them out quite a bit. You have a couple of guys towards the bottom of the fold that have been a little bit more rough and the home run power not necessarily there with a lot of these guys. Josh Naylor along with Andres Menes have a double digit amount of bombs but you do have Jose Ramirez. He's been in the top five all season long in terms of RBI. Has been able to slug out 19 home runs. That has been solid and for the Cleveland Guardians. Bullpen for this team is very solid towards the back half with guys like Emmanuel Classe and Nick Sandlin and company but they are a little bit more tired in terms of their bullpen. Kirk McCarty needed a opener for him so Brian Shaw wound up getting used up for multiple innings. Eli Morgan wound up throwing 25 pitches yesterday and for the Boston Red Sox. It might as well have been a bullpen game for them because their starter in Josh Winkowski is more like Josh Luzkowski because he wound up throwing three innings for this bunch and not necessarily so terrific. So as a result, Tanner Houck, he winds up getting used up for 20-plus pitches along with Austin Davis, Eric Calzasaro, Morris. So going to be looking to Jake Diekman most likely in this spot as well. And for Nathan Ivaldi, it's just a case in which I feel like the numbers are a little bit skewed. He's been the victim of some bad luck at home this season. He was the starter in that game, which he has just wound up slugging like four home runs in an inning against him. And then he was the starter in the infamous 28-5 game that we wound up seeing against the Blue Jays. Did he throw well in that game? No, by no means was it a game that he's going to be putting on film and throwing out two teams if he winds up free agency or anything like that. But he didn't deserve to give up nine runs in that game because that grand slam that we wound up seeing off the bat of Remy Otapia, that's because Jaron Duran wound up losing the ball in the lights and literally gave the worst effort I've ever seen from a professional athlete. Didn't even chase after the ball. Heck, he didn't even jog after the ball. So that was just really, really sad to take a look at. So Anthony Evaldi is not but good at home. He's not as bad as his north of six ERA at home would indicate. And he has not been the victim as many home runs as it would indicate as well. So this is a Red Sox team that I do think that they're going to be able to do a little bit better in terms of their pitching because in that 28-5 to game wound up throwing off their entire metrics as well in terms of their bullpen rating as their bullpen over the last three days. They're in the bottom five in terms of ERA. It is north of a five. Are they been good in the last three days? No, they haven't been as bad as their numbers would indicate, though. So I do think that that is something to take a look at with them. And I do think that with the Red Sox, they're going to be able to get enough offense to be able to get the job done in this spot. I did wind up saying Nathan Eovaldi and company right around a minus 134 because Cal Quantra on the flip side, a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy. has been getting right around 5.7 to 5.8 strikeouts per nine innings. So he's given up three runs or fewer in 30 out of his last 34 appearances. But with Quantrill as well. He's been giving up approximately three runs and a lot of these as well. He's got a roadie area that hovers in the neighborhood about a 4-5 that goes to more around a 3-2 whenever he is at home as well. So a little bit of an issue on that front. He has been giving up right around two and a half walks for nine innings, being a pitcher contact guy. That's either great nor terrible, but I do think that the Boston Red Sox are going to be able to get to him in this spot. So I did wind up making the Red Sox we're on a minus 134 favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay it, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. I'm talking about this game a little bit later on in hour number two, and 
I'm going to hit this game once again, 973-974. was unable to finish my thoughts last hour on White Sox versus Rockies with Antonio Sensatella going for the Rockies and Lucas Giolito going for the White Sox and the White Sox. Right now, you're finding them as a favorite in that realm of about a minus 135 to a minus 140. Meanwhile, with the Rockies, right, getting them anywhere between plus 120 to a plus 125 with a total of 11 and a half. And I'll end up sharing with you guys in the last hour that I'm looking at getting a run and a half with the Rockies because that number is at a minus 125. Typically, you don't see a money line and run line disparity that is that small. That'll happen with Coors Field because the higher the total winds are getting, the easier it is to wind up winning by multiple runs. But I'm not a believer in this White Sox bullpen. And on top of that, haven't won through what Lucas Giolito has done this year. And, well, what Lucas Giolito has done this year has not been great. So that has been a big, giant issue because got an ERA that is north of a four thus far this season. As a matter of fact, north of a five in this campaign. And a big reason why he's been giving up the deep ball. 1.7 home runs per nine innings. His walks have increased as well. When he was really struggling early on in his career, a lot of it had to go to, a lot of it stemmed back to the fact that he was walking right around four and a half guys per nine innings. Back up to a 3.2 this season. And for Lucas Gilito, he's actually been able to do a little bit of a better job on the road rather than at home. But now you have to wind up going to Coors Field, and that's never necessarily desirable. And on the flip side for Antonio Sensatella, I am shocked that this guy's ERA is not like north of six. Because with Antonio Sensatella, he's got an opponent's batting average that is in the pocket of about a 360. I can't remember too many guys not being like one of the worst pitchers in the league and having an opponent's batting average of a 360, but he's been able to somehow, some way, endure all this contact and keep the ball in the yard. Despite the fact that opponents are hitting right around a 360, he's given up one home run per nine innings. To his credit, he's been able to do a solid job with the command, giving up 2.2 walks per nine innings. But I do think that this is a case in which, with how much contact in general he's giving up, it is going to wind up catching up with him. He's got a career low 5.3 strikeouts per nine innings. But that said, this is also a Colorado Rockies team that they do such a better job at home rather than on the road. With regards to their offense, they're getting right around 1.2 home runs per game when they are at home rather than on the road where it's more like a 0.6. And for the White Sox, a big reason why I can't wind up taking a look at this team at this price right now is that I wind up having to make them more around a minus 132 because they do a good job of being able to move the line. They don't necessarily have those guys that are able to go out there and have been able to hit a bunch of bombs as nobody on the team has north of 13 home runs. Now they do get reinforcements back. Eloy Jimenez wanted coming back about a week or two ago, and then you've got Yasmani Grandal, who's back at the fold, but Yasmani Grandal has not been able to find it all year long. He's hitting below the middle line of a 200. You do have Tim Anderson also has been able to do a solid job, but now he needs to pick up the slack a little bit more because Luis Robert has been dealing with apparently lightheadedness and just general soreness, things of this nature. He has been out of the fold last few days for the White Sox. That's not necessarily too terrific. And for the Colorado Rockies, you do have quite a few guys that have been masterful at home. C.J. Crone hitting above a 350 for this bunch. You've got Brendan Rodgers, who has just signed home runs this season. Guess where all nine of those home runs have come? That's right at home. Bullpen with Alex Colme has been able to shape up a little bit more. This is not a Colorado Rockies bullpen that you want to be going out there and you want to be completely trusting in them. But at the same time, they've been able to do a competent job over the last, we're going to call it 35 or so days. Their bullpen ERA has been able to fall by multiple points in the time span. They're still a bottom five bullpen overall for the season. But you take a look at what they've been able to do over the last 
or you could call it month or so, and they've been a little bit more respectable with their bullpen ERA right around a 442 in this time span. So that has been relatively solid. And for the Chicago White Sox, they did wind up having to use up Liam Hendricks for north of 20 pitches in their game on Tuesday, and he did wind up giving up a solo home run in that time span as well. White Sox bullpen has been able to shape up a little bit, but don't have a lot of faith in them being able to hold like a 2-3 run lead if you wind up getting into the ninth inning. You can wind up being able to get into the back door pretty much with a solo home run with the Rockies if they're down by, say, two or three runs. So being able to get a run and F, that appeals to me with the Rockies. And I wound up setting my total a little bit north of 11.5. So going to be taking a look at the over as well. And in the final segment, we're going to give you guys my DK Nation pick for Major League Baseball on Wednesday and just give you what I like on the card in general. That's up next right here on VEASAN Esports Bang Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The VSIN Pro Betting, the VSIN Football Guides are coming very soon with both the college and the pro seasons fast approaching. And we've got one for both. Our experts are going to provide profiles for every single team with advanced stats and power rankings. Plus, you're going to be getting best bets in both of them on season wins, division finishes, player awards, and much more. Reserve your copies of both the college and the pro betting guides today and get access to everything that we have to offer for the entirety of the football season with a VEASAN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe to be able to jump in on this offer now as it is a final segment of The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. If you're watching me live, well, you're going to get a replay of The Lookout with myself, Greg Peterson. If you're watching this more around the time of the replay, this will be 3.45 a.m. Pacific time, 6.45 a.m. Eastern. It is going to be Follow the Money coming up next. Stormy Bonatoni, and I believe that Dave Ross is in with Stormy as well. They're going to have you the next three hours. I know that we've had some switcheroonies here with regards to us. Like, I'm in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. I'm, I'm very happy to be joining you guys this week. It's one of those times in which we wind up having a lot of people take vacation, getting set for the upcoming NFL season. We all wind up doing our part, and everyone winds up being able to chip in as I wound up having my vacation last week as well. So always great to be able to get some fresh voices on these voices on these shows as well. You know, we'll show what we got, and time for me to show what we've got in terms of the baseball slate for this Wednesday as well. Hopefully we can pull out a DK Nation winner with this write-up as I'm going to be taking a look at the A's and the Houston Astros in this one. 961, 962 on the betting board. It is going to be Cole Irvin on the bump 
for the Oakland A's and going for the Houston Astros, that is Christian Javier. Right now you're finding the Astros size $2 favorite, anywhere between really about a minus $192, minus $2 is what you're finding on them. And then between plus 170 and plus 175, your price on Oakland 7F is the total that you're finding. Pretty much most places have this with the juice at a minus 115 on that under end. That's what I'm going to be taking a look at with regards to the DK Nation pick. Set my total at a 6.6 because Cole Irvin has been absolutely magical at home thus far this season. He's got a buck 64 ERA at home, and you take a look at him overall for the season, has been able to do a great job in terms of command. He has been giving up fewer than two walks per nine innings, both at home and on the road. Overall for the season, he's got about a 305 ERA, so even on the road, he's been relatively solid, but he's been able to play his best recently as well with the opponents in a buck 99 off of him overall for the season at home and a buck 89 off of him home and road in his last seven starts. And on top of that, with Corvin, he has given up zero home runs at home in 55 and a third innings this season. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer here out there in Oakland. A lot of his starts have been during the nighttime and during the nighttime, you notice that the marine layer is out and that winds up making it very, very pitcher-friendly during the daytime, which this is going to be a game that is going to be towards the daytime, right around a 1240 local time first pitch, 1240 p.m. Pacific time. Ball does wind up fly, flying a little bit more, but it's going to be hard for the Oakland A's to be able to duplicate the offense that they've been able to get the last few days, as the A's have actually been able to put up a combined 20 runs over the last three days. I think that Christian Javier is going to be able to put a stop to this. He's been getting 12.5 strikeouts per nine innings this season, a 3-1-3 ERA, has allowed two runs or fewer in 14 out of his 18 appearances this season with a opponent's batting average of a buck 82. He has been nasty now. He has been giving up right around 3.4 walks per nine innings. If you do have a little bit of an issue with Javier, that has been one, and sometimes that causes the bullpen to come in a little bit more because his pitch count winds up getting elevated, but it's a good bullpen to wind up having coming in to relieve him as you've got Rafael Montero, Ryan Sanek, throwing their Seth Martinez, all giving you a sub-two ERA, and as a matter of fact, the Houston Astros, they've got the number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues thus far this season as they're hitting a 275 in terms of their bullpen ERA. Nobody else in the league lower than a 294. That would actually be the Yankees who are clocking in at number two, but answers have been very trustworthy with this regard. And they're going up against an Oakland A's team that they have been able to go on a little bit of a run in terms of their offense, but still going into the game on Tuesday, they are hitting as a collective a 203 at home with 2.8 runs per game. Those are both by far dead last out there in the league. As a matter of fact, there's no other team averaging fewer than 3.45 runs per game at home other than the Oakland A's, and no team hitting below about a 210 at home other than Oakland. So that's a big bugaboo for the team and for the Houston Astros. You did wind up noticing that Jose Altuve wound up not being in the starting lineup yesterday, so they are a little bit banged up with that aspect. They've been dealing with an injury to Michael Brantley for quite a while. Alex Bregman has still been hitting right around about a 240-ish, and got a lot of guys on the team that are big-time bats for them, hitting right around 240 as you're able to throw in there. He, Yuri Gurriel, Alamendi CS. Now, Alamendi CS and Gurriel both hitting north of a 265 over the last 30 days. They've been able to shape up a little bit more. Chaz McCormick has been a little bit up and down for the team as well. Jeremy Pena, the understudy to Carlos Correa last season. He's been able to come up, and he's been able to be very solid. Hitting right around 265, double-digit amount of homers for the team. And Jordan Alvarez, not much more could be said about this guy. Hitting above 325-plus home runs thus far this season. And for the Oakland A's, you just don't have that power. As with the Oakland A's, nobody has more than 12 home runs for the team, and nobody that has had more than 50 plate appearances for the team hitting above a 248 
it has been really bad to take a look at in terms of this Oakland A's team on offense. I do think that you're going to see another under in this game. And as a matter of fact, if you're looking at top under rates out there in the big leagues, the Houston Astros and the Detroit Tigers, they are by far one and two. Both of these teams have been playing north of 60% of their games to the under end. In the case of the Detroit Tigers, it's just because in general, they are not scoring at all. Their offense has been absolutely terrible, and their bullpen has been solid. And for the Astros, they still have a relatively solid lineup, but I feel like the lineup's reputation has been giving them a little bit too much credence, and not enough people are taking a look at the pitching, which that, I guess you could call it reputation, has been a little bit undervalued as well because this is a bullpen that's better than ever with regards to the Astros. So I do take a look at this total, and I'm taking a look at it with the under. That is going to be my write-up. And with the A's, I recognize that a lot of people are going to be of the mindset that there's no way that the Houston Astros can wind up losing three straight times to this poopy Oakland A's team. The list goes on and on, and the Astros had not lost like a single series on the road in multiple months, but this is still a team that they have to go up against a guy in Cole Irvin who has been just absolutely nails at home. Christian Javier has a little bit of an elevated ERA when he is on the road as well, so Anything north of plus 165, I'm going to take a shot here on Oakland. Am I right up? That is going to be on the under as well. This is one that is now being listed up at Circa. Circa is the only place I'm seeing that has a number on this game. There was a little bit of question mark as to whether or not we were going to be seeing Max Scherzer for the New York Mets. It is confirmed. He's on the board. So how about if we wind up going 977, 978 to be able to round things out? It is a Subway series. You've got Domingo Herman who's going to be going for the Yankees. And Max Scherzer on the bump for the Mets. Mets are a minus 155 favorite, plus 141. Your price on the Yankees. Total on this game is 7.5 with a little bit of juice on the over. And I'm going to be taking a look at a 7.5 under. If this winds up being the market-wide number, I'm willing to take it. And I would need a little bit more on the Yankees. But if I'm able to get anything north of this, plus 143 or greater, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Yankees. Domingo Ramon, first time out. It was a really bad start. He gave up five runs to three innings against the Houston Astros. was his first start of the season. That was not necessarily too terrific, but I want to blank it out with the Houston Astros. The fact that they've got the number one bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. The the New York Yankees, they are number two in terms of their bullpen ERA. And I do think that Domingo Armand is going to be able to do a better job in this spot. Now, fading Max Scherzer has not necessarily been something that has been profitable in many different times as he has been a bulldog and heck. Even this year, at a little bit of a advanced age, he's still been really good for the team, being able to get over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up fewer than 1.7 walks per nine innings. He's still been max, the Max Scherzer of old, but he is backed up by a bullpen that it's been a little bit tough for them this season as you haven't necessarily had Julie Rodriguez do a solid job. Drew Smith, who has been one of their better bullpen pieces thus far this season, he has an ERA that is north of a five over the last three days. Edwin Diaz has been lights out as a closer, but Edwin Diaz wound up getting used up in the game on Tuesday as well, so that's a little bit of an issue for this bunch. And when you take a look at this Yankees lineup, you've got Aaron Judge, who's right now on pace to be able to get 60-plus home runs this season. Anthony Rizzo, John Carlos Sain, both between 23 and 24 home runs. DJ Turner, double LeMahieu, he's been able to give you right around 8280. He's been solid. Jose Trevino's been able to get on base for this team. Isaiah Kinner Falefa, good versatility. He's hitting above a 270 as well. You've just got Mashers upon Mashers. And for Pete Alonso, he's been the league leader in terms of RBI for much of the season. He has been rock solid for the Mets, but you've had a couple guys towards the bottom of the fold. 
not necessarily being able to play their best recently. We've seen a little bit of dip in batting average for guys like a Mark Hanna. We have seen Jeff McNeil wind up seeing a little bit of regression as well. Now, the good news is they wind up getting Starling Marte back in the fold. Was one of the best base stealers in all of baseball last season. He's hitting a 300, so him being back in the lineup, that is going to be able to give the New York Mets a little bit of juice, but that said, with this Mets team, they were a team that they were, towards the beginning of the season, getting a whole bunch of infield singles that we're going to call it what it is. They were a tad bit fortunate to wind up getting those. Those have seemingly dried up a little bit here recently, so I would need a little bit closer to about a plus 143, plus 144 to take a shot on the Yankees, but on the initial line, I'm most likely going to be taking a look at the New York Yankees getting a plus price, and if 7.5 is the number that we wind up getting market-wide, this is a number that is currently only available at Circa. I'd be taking a look at that under, and what I'm going to be taking a look at is all that we've got for this upcoming football season. We're doing everything humanly possible to get you set right here at VSIN, and we've got some hosts on Follow the Money that will be helping you do that right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 